You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. Hi everyone, welcome back to WDW Tales. I'm your host, Justin Stone. I've just completed editing probably one of my favorite episodes uh, of all time. Uh, if you had listened recently, you'll know that I have had done an interview with uh, legendary composer George Wilkins, who is famous for so many Disney parks tracks, uh, but also kind of a legend in his own right uh, when it comes to broadcast and Hollywood. He has run the gamut from television to uh, to albums, to theme parks, he's he's done it all, and a had a wonderful time speaking with him about how he got started in the business, as well as his relationship with Buddy Baker and uh, Imagineering, and uh, and how he kind of gets into his process of creating music, and it went so well that we actually ran a little bit long, and I have the absolute privilege of having a second episode of my time with George. Uh, I, I definitely recommend you go back and listen to part one if you haven't yet, but you don't need to. There's no cliffhanger, um, but it's just really, really good. Um, it's really more about how he got started in the business. And this episode, well, we still talk about that a little bit, but we spend a lot of time talking about Disney parks and, and music that he worked on. Some other famous Disney composers that he's worked with, like his longtime collab- collaborator, Richard Bellis, and... Uh, Bruce Broughton, who's another Disney legend, but then also just working in Hollywood, which I absolutely love. I, I love uh, hearing about all the different sound stages and, and scoring stages where composers have worked on music, um, ones that are very famous. Uh, and so it's great just to listen to George reminisce about his time in Hollywood and, and what he's done there, as well as with Disney, uh, specifically with Epcot, Disney MGM Studios, and even Universal Studios, uh, Florida and Hollywood. So really excited for you to listen to part two. Again, you don't have to go back to listen to part one first, but I definitely recommend you do that. And uh, here's part two of my conversation with George Wilkins. Actually, a, a kind of a few questions I had that weren't really, I guess they're related to Disney, but they're, they're more just you as as a composer and arranger and and just working musician around LA. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I get I go down these rabbit holes of sound stages and scoring <laughs> stages. You know, I look up. Yeah. You know the old Warner Brothers Phantom of the Opera sound stage that was ripped down or, or whatever, and I got. Um, I went down the path of a scoring stage that's no longer around. It closed in. Um, 2007 called Todd AO. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course. And so many so many tracks were recorded there. Did, did you ever a did you ever record there and then also what was your favorite scoring stage? Did you have was one, you know, more live than another or Well, MGM uh was a hell of a great you know, just because of the history of it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh but I did uh for Universal, I did uh, the art of making movies there, mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Tucker came in as my engineer. And uh, who was I working with? I was working with can't think of his name. 
He did all that. He did on the Academy Awards. He was always the guy that put all those, all the slaps. Mm-hmm. You know, at the somewhere during the show, they would go and show twenty movies, and you know there'd be ten slaps and mm-hmm. two knockout horses, and you know mm-hmm. that stuff. I can't think of his name right now, but I did uh, the finale of the MGM of the great movie ride with him Mm -hmm. and got into a terrible argument with him. I mean, where I actually reached across, (laughs) I reached across the table and grabbed him by his shirt and said, who the you think you're talking? (laughs) I mean, I was like, I was just coming apart. And he had just had this big argument with uh, Eisner, Uh which I was involved in. And when you know it, he hired me for the, for the, for, uh, the uh, uh, art of making movies at Universal. Oh, that was his next job? Blew my that. mind, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, I mean, well, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, right? They <laughs> they worked well together, but they didn't work well together. No, so, no. Uh, sometimes the best work comes from... from you want know. to know a little history about me? Ab- any, in 19, yeah. in 1955... I signed with Patty Page mm-hmm. with her vocal group, and that night, that very night that we auditioned and did the deal, uh, uh, Limousine picked us up and we did the Martin and Lewis telethon with her. Mm-hmm. And that was 1955 at the uh, uh, Carnegie Hall in New York. Mm-hmm. So. I go long, back a long ways with Jerry Lewis. So taking a, a step back into um, scoring stages, so you were saying MGM was your favorite because of the history. Well, not Is my favorite. My favorite uh, was Disney because of of uh, of of. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Sean Tucker, uh, Sean Murphy, mm. and because uh, Sean. Sean just kind of like took me over, and I took him over, and uh, and we kind of like changed the the whole sound department there. Not mm-hmm. just the two of us, but there were some other people, you know, that were in charge of buying the equipment. But as I told you, mm-hmm. we got a new uh, leave board, mm-hmm. which were they were going for around six hundred thousand, then. and we had two of them. Yeah, <laughs> was, was that a tube driven board? No, oh, it, wasn't. it was all solid state. Oh wow! And uh, well, it was the board. Yeah, I was amazed, and it sat in, it sat in the studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. had, I mean, because they couldn't get into the control room, because um, the control room. So they had to rebuild the control room. And I told you the control room, all the pots were were uh, circular, you know, mm-hmm. things you turn. They weren't the faders up and down. There was nothing, you know, it was really ancient. And uh, that's when I came in to do a mix on my first thing for the transportation pavilion, I think. Mm -hmm. I got there and he said, well, what do you think of this? (laughs) I was planning on like about a six-hour mix and he had come in a half hour early and done it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. 
I've never worked on a Neve console. I've, API Legacy was, I think, the most prestigious yeah. board I ever worked on. But my most of my days were, you know, Pro Tools, DAWs, and then live yeah. mixing. So a lot of no, Midas well, my, boards. Mine too. So, but that was a, a time ago. I don't. Yeah. I wish I could still do that. Now I just yell at the sound people when they don't get my mix right. <laughs> which, which, well, I'm I being 88. I've dropped off at around 2000, and it just scares me to do a mix because I just know I'm dropping off a, a lot of high end. Uh huh. And uh, I used to have a pair of phones that I could um, that you could test your your and they what you'd buy these phones and mm-hmm. then they would play a tone. Mm-hmm. And the moment you heard the tone, you could hit a button, right? Or I can't remember what, but you'd, you'd stop it. Mm-hmm. And then they'd play another tone, you'd hit it, hit it. And then that was, they would, they, that would correct your ear. Oh, okay. And so you could play back. And uh, although they were Bluetooth, so I was always hearing things late uh-huh. on my equipment. Um, I had, but at least I could check my mixes then. But yeah. I, I got to the point where I just bring in a mixer, you know. Yeah. I, when I was I, doing sound at Universal in Orlando, we had to big bar and steal a lot of stuff. Uh, so we were, for the longest time, the other engineer and I were just trying to use whatever we could, live sound, you know, speakers, trying to do mixes. But we weren't doing a lot of recording. We were cutting music for for parades uh-huh. and shows. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was already normalized and maximized. I mean, it's also processed today that there are really no dynamics in a lot of digital music anymore. Um, but to be able to come in from a a board with just you know circular dials as faders, and then walk in <laughs> walk into a a Neve console is like going from Arkansas to the moon. Oh yeah, well, so. well, and, yeah, and. And Sean was just, I had worked, I used to do the Tony Orlando, Tony Orlando and Dawn show mm-hmm. at CBS, and, and Sean was the mixer on that show. Oh, okay. So I used to do, uh, I used to, um, I was one of the orchestrators on the show, and then I would do the mix on the Friday, I think it was Friday night. And I'd have to wait for Tony and uh, his buddy to finish because it'd always be stoned out of their heads. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, I'd have to wait till three in the morning until they were finished mixing. And then I would finish doing all the rest of the show mixing and get it over to CBS by mm-hmm. nine o'clock in the morning for, for the directors, you know. So did you did you record that to tape? Was it to ADAT? Was it? What's that? What did you... That was all to tape. It was so I mean, to real to real. Tony Orlando and Dawn show. Yeah, that was probably two track. You know, or, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, the, I, it, yeah, I can't. I don't know. I but I'm sure remember. it was like Ampex back then. There was no. Oh yeah, there was no digital yet. So no, 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 we weren't doing digital. I didn't know digital until I got to Disney, mm-hmm. which was in the late seventies. And uh, the first thing I ever did with Buddy, and he brought over these digital machines. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of that before. Now, I think I did that in 
78. Well, that's actually pretty early for digital. Wow. Yeah. Well, they were, you know, they Disney was one of the leading, the leading people on that, man. You know, leading. I mean, I'm lucky. I got it because I was into synthesizers and, you know, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I was working with some great people that, you know, knew what they were doing. Uh, so I got into it fairly. Bellis, who was my partner, wouldn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with him. You know, he uh-huh. was just, you know, true to the, you know, true to the real sound uh-huh. up, up until he couldn't do it anymore, you know. Yeah. So I did an album with Mancini. And one of the tunes was um, I can't think. And it was the name of the instrument, but I didn't know that, mm-hmm. right? And so I I hired, I rented a bass marimba. Okay, great. Which you know, and it sounded, but I just remember Henry walking. Hank walking in what the hell's that? Because <laughs> what he used, oh, what the hell is the name of it? was from bum bum ba da ba da da do 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 That was the whole pattern. That's the only, that's all the notes that thing had. Was it a and, soundtrack or was it like his martinis no, it was by a, Mancini? Yeah, it was one of the tunes from, uh-huh. uh, Sort of tunes from Mr. Lucky, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, can't think. But I recorded it on my album that I did of his stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Which so one? The, the bass. I did. A, I did an album called "The Brothers Go to Mothers and Others." Uh huh. Called Group One. And uh, did that in like '65 with him. And I put a vocal group of seven. The seven voice vocal group mm-hmm. scanning all his stuff. Oh, that's awesome. With a, with, a, with a lead instrument. So I would have Pete Condoli standing amongst seven singers, and he was the lead, and the, all the singers were doing the heart the parts below him. Oh, that's so neat. I'm a big yeah, Hank was... Mancini fan, but that's. Yeah. I, I went through a Mancini, Les Baxter, Martin Denny, Esquival kind of phase. For yeah. a while, where everything was grass skirts, and <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, that's how I got out to California. Oh, was it? I I had come out to conduct a, uh, 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 I did a show at the um, ah, the outdoor theater over in the park. I can't think of the name of it. With the uh, not the Hollywood Bowl, right? No, not the Hollywood Bowl. The other one. Oh yeah, I know what you're thinking yeah. of, but I can't think. Yeah, of it. I can't think of it either. And Hank, um, so I was conducting Young Americans portion. I think I told you this story. And so at the rehearsal, he had his rehearsal on stage with the orchestra. And then they were supposed to come downstairs and get in the pit and do the Young Americans mm-hmm. uh, rehearsal, except that no one told them about it. And that's when I had, you know, four or five guys from the orchestra to talk to for that show. But anyway, that's when I asked him, I said, would you be interested in hearing some demos I've done on your stuff with just using voices, Scott? And he said, yeah, man. And 
so I played it. And, and it turned out that uh, I'm, that Joe Reisman, who was with RCA in those days, mm-hmm. had been produced all the Connie, all the Patty Page stuff that I had done in New York. <laughs> so when when Hank brought me over to RCA, and I sat down, and there was Joe, you know, my old friend. So it was an old home week for me. Oh, and, that's amazing. Was it the yeah. Greek? Was it the Greek, Greek theater? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew if it wasn't the bowl, then I quickly looked up the other one. Yeah. Did you, um, speaking of, like when I mentioned with sound st- or uh, scoring stages, was there a specific stage or outdoor venue that you always loved to perform at? Didn't have to be L.A., but just anywhere you were. No, I, um, most of my recording in L.A., well, any big recording I did was at Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and I and for Disney. I mean, I, and I used other studios for Disney. I used um, uh, Warner Brothers and I and, and uh, one other one. And I've I've worked with a lot of different engineers. So you, you know, you got to. Uh, first of all, I'm going back 50 years, yeah. and secondly, um, I was so busy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to be the busiest guy on earth for a while. Well, there could be worse positions you could be in. Yeah, you could I be know. the, you know, the fifth percussionist of a four-person percussion. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll uh-huh. bet. Did you ever record it at like Capitol or A and M or anything like that? Uh, I did a session at A and M a long when it first became A and M. When it was still, uh, was well, who was it? That was Lucy and our, our, you know, Lucy's stage. Oh, when well. that became A and M, they brought that studio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, what's it? They paid for that studio out of a checkbook. Wait, Desilu because, Studios? Uh, huh? Desilu Studios, or do you mean because they, they had no Desilu? Desi Lou Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ended up being what, who you just said. Uh, A&M. A&M. Mm-hmm. Because Moss, they were, Moss and, and uh, uh, who's the trouble player? Uh, oh, Herd Albert. Albert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were a holding company. Right. And all that money, they had all this money in this checking account to uh, from the sales of records. Uh-huh. And they went and bought, paid cash. And Mancini told me this story. But he watched, he watched them, you know, write a check out of a little checkbook <laughs> for a million something, you know. Uh-huh. Said it was, it was unreal, you know. Well, that's funny you bring it up. Because, and maybe I heard this or read this wrong so as we talked about last time i'm a big fan of music from the early 40s mid 40s 50s less the rock and roll more the kind of swing um but and i was a huge sinatra fan i'm still a huge sinatra fan and i thought i heard sinatra tell herb albert make me a studio and i will bankroll that studio for the rest of your life at least until uh, at least until 
Yeah, it, it, I, it's palatable. I've never everybody. heard that. I could, I know Don Costa used, you know, A and M, and I know Don did a lot of stuff with Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, but I think most of the Sinatra dates were done uh, at sunset. Was it? Uh, at sunset on uh, on Gower. Yeah. So- there's Sunset Gower and Sunset Bronson, and I think yeah, yeah he did Gower but after he left Capitol, or before he yeah, was at Capitol. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. But yeah. yeah, maybe it was just talk among you know. It all to your point earlier, it all runs together, and everyone works well, with know, everybody. Well, and... I know. I I think the Beach Boys used A and M at some point on uh-huh. on. Uh, what was it? They used about fifteen different studios on one on one record. Uh, oh, did they? Good vibrations. Okay. I remember that going around town. But, yeah, <clears throat> and they didn't even play, did they? I don't even think Dennis or Brian. It was all the the wrecking crew. I well, think. yeah, it was a wrecking crew, but Brian mm. was. Brian, I'm amazed because he ended up, you know. Being this, <laughs> yeah, he was so doped up, man. He was, yeah, and yet he was known as a genius in the studio. I mean, all the guys loved him. I mean, I know all those guys from the Wrecking Crew. I used to use them. Did you? Did yeah. you work with Hal Blaine? Sure. Oh, that guy. Oh, Hal. What? Hal a, used to, what an ego. Hal, one time, Bellis and I were doing a date, and. And Hal was going to be on it, uh-huh. and so in in Hal's book, we put we did one. It was just, hey Hal, this is fairly fast, uh, you know, lots of heavy backbeat. Uh-huh. Watch conductor for big ending. Love George and Richard. <laughs> That's that was, and he had a the stamp. Yeah. So he would get he would get in the studio early, That's and true. look at the music. And then he, he would look at music and then he'd stamp it. That's right. Yeah. Hal With, Blaine uh, was here. Hal, Bla- Hal Blaine strikes back. That's right. Like, strikes yeah. again. Hal Blaine strikes again. In yeah. Fact, Hal Blaine strikes again. In all the studios, and this is something I watched the Wrecking Crew documentary years ago, but th- I can't think of who the other drummer was. He was actually before Hal Blaine. Can't think of his name either. He, he just in the union. Yeah. He just passed away not too long ago, I want to say. But yeah. He, and he did all of the Motown stuff first he was yeah but he would he was saying that when he came after he after Hulk started doing more session work he'd go into the you know the break room wherever folks would you know sit outside the tracking room and have a cigarette or a coffee or whatever and he said there'd be stamps all over the wall how blaine strikes again (laughs) (laughs) you know from from capital to a&m to sunset gower you know like the guy was he was a virus in the best yeah. way. Richard and I watched him. We hid in the booth when he went through his book. You know, uh-huh. and he'd look at the music and then he'd stamp it. And he got to our piece, right? And he kind of looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and then just stamped it and turned it over. <laughs> Never looked up, you know. Yeah. The only guy, I, I, I mean, I obviously wasn't around back then, but I can imagine the only guy who would show up to a session where it's nothing but brushwork on the snare drum with a 10-piece drum set 
because he he had uh he had quite the drum set so but i mean well i you know one of my first dates when i had the doodletown pipers was i was doing a television you know show and i had a, a thing called my little boat my little boat da, 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 and uh i had written on the music bossa rock right okay and so i get up and <clears throat> count it off band starts playing and about two bars in i have to stop it because i remember that we're supposed to cut from the end of bar nine to the bar 20 or something i can't remember and uh and as i stop i look over and my drummer and my piano player are wrestling on the floor <laughs> rhythm sections am i right yeah no it was uh god i can't i wish i could think of the bass player's name now but he, he was a really tough guy. He was one of the uh, wrecking crew. I mean, the, one of the more consistent guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, my piano player, God, I can't think of his name. Anyway, he leaned over and he, he said, you want to knock off the rock and roll shit? <laughs> and he said, how about knocking this off? <laughs> and they were on the floor fighting. That was what I, my first two minutes of of a recording session, you know. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. That is... My rhythm section hated each other. I, so I was in a parade at Epcot called Tapestry Nations in um, 2000. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was, uh, there were something like 200 performers as as these kind of characters, which we called puppets, which would walk up and down World Showcase. And then there were 30 drummers a night on these revolving their aye, cl- aye, aye. clocks. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the each, there's two drummers per float or what we call rolling percussion unit. And the, the, there were, uh, 20 drums per side that, and it rotated like a clock. And so you had to play and it was all, you know, choreographed and whatever, but to have 30 drum i mean we're already egotistical enough to put 30 of us uh every night to perform it was uh it was quite quite a sight we all got along uh quite well um but you'd that, never seen amazing. such arrogance <laughs> i remember john beale uh-huh. i don't know if you ever heard that name but john called me and he was out conducting the young uh the spell uh the doodletown pipers i don't at some fair in California. Mm-hmm. And he said, George, he said, he said, you don't, he, he said, I don't have a draw. I don't have a bass player. I said, what do you use? I said, well, I got a tuba. And I said, well, just give him the bass part, you know? And, yeah. You know, I mean, there may be some notes he can't play, whatever. He said, well, you got any more bass parts and i said why he said well, he says well i've got 20 tuba players <laughs> what is this john philip souza <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know john beale he's now the conductor from the hollywood bowl oh wow a bunch of other things you know so that's amazing uh, yeah i uh <clears throat> i would love to see 20 tuba players try and yeah. duke out a bass line but 
Um, I would, as we talk about venues, um, I have my favorites for performing, but I got to say, just as a a sidebar, my wife and I lived in Boston for three years when I was at an advertising agency there. And I would try and get to Symphony Hall as much as I could to watch um, the Pops and some of the the BSO, but we would never miss John Williams. He would come in for three nights. Yeah. You know, he would do the 4th of July sometimes out at, at, at the Hatch. Um, but I don't know if you've ever been in Symphony Hall or heard music performed there, but it is... No, I haven't. I haven't. They, so they redid it in the 70s or 60s, but they kept the original wood from the 1800s for the floor and they used it again to keep the the liveness of the of the right. the venue and it i mean the thing about it is if you hit a sour note that sour note is like a fire alarm because <laughs> the room is so is perfect the yeah i mean yeah timpani you know as a timpanist you're you have to learn by ear very quickly and you've got a tune while the orchestra's playing and it's really difficult so sometimes you don't you know, sometimes your your B is a little it's a B flat or a right, B sharp. Right. Or, I often wondered how you guys do that, man. After a while, it's just you just get used to it. But you, I remember listening. It was I don't know the theme from Hook or Indiana Jones or whatever. Oh no, it was um, Schindler's List. So you know, a happy tune, <laughs> and uh, and the 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 trumpet player was this. It's, first chair guy and he was the only one playing the lick and just absolutely ate it just just ran over a dead cat um, <laughs> but it still sounded i mean you knew even if you weren't a musician you were like yeah that guy uh just moved down a chair or two but <laughs> i remember williams didn't miss a step he just kept everybody going and and uh just the sound of that venue was I mean, I, if you ever have the chance, even if it's to watch a rehearsal, it, it's uh, amazing. We actually saw the the Boston Pops perform to Singing in the Rain, which is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And uh, so you know they removed the they removed the underscore, and but they have Gene Kelly and uh, and uh, Debbie Reynolds, and I use in quotes because I don't think she sang a whole lot in that movie. Uh, but they performed at the same time, and it was—I mean, it was unbelievable. But I got—I got to work with John. Uh, I did the Academy Awards one year, and I was—I uh, did Connie Stevens. She came in and did one of the songs that was nominated, uh-huh. and I did the orchestration for it. And so I just stand next to John when we rehearsed the orchestra. And he gave me the nicest compliment, man. He said, hey, man, this is like one of the best charts in the whole show. And he said, I got Shorty Rogers back there. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, when the dust settles, give me a call. Wow. So, so, you know, I anxiously waited like a week or so after the Academy Awards were over. And uh, now you got to understand that Don and Jerry, his two brothers, are two of my dearest friends. <laughs> Jerry did all my drum work on all that Nancini stuff and mm-hmm. everything else. And Don, I played a million rounds of golf with, so we're we're good buddies. But I didn't know John ever. You know, I'm 
I had never met him up in, at, until this point. I mean, I didn't lay anything on him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't tell him I knew his brothers or anything like that. Yeah. But he just said to me after, he said, you know, that's really a good chart, man. When this dust settles, give me a call. And he gave me his card and stuff like that. And uh, so I called him about a week later. And he kind of answered and her, yeah, hello, 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 who's this? And I said, this is George Wilkins. And uh, yeah, I did the, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a nice chart. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm a little busy right now. Bang. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of my, my uh, career with John. Uh -huh. Well, uh, I, I'm sure so. you're in good company. Uh, I'm sure he's done it quite a few. Before. You know, I didn't know his dad was the drummer for Raymond Scott. Yeah, well, that's yeah, I told you that story. Oh, I'm no, sorry. Jerry, uh, no, I, I we did all of. I did a thing. I did do an hour's worth of music for Tomorrowland. Yes, and they wanted it in the form of Raymond Scott. Very controversial. Yeah, very. Was very controversial. Yep. And so we did. We made sure we didn't steal a note, mm -hmm. but we did it in the style. And I used Alan Ferguson. And uh, myself and uh, Jimmy Bryant. And mm -hmm. the three of us did an hour's worth of music based on that. And then the, the, the Raymond Scott family came in. Oh, and boy. Stood under the speaker and recorded it. Yeah. I bet. And then they sued Disney for plagiarism of style. Mm -hmm. And I kept, and so I had to deal, you know, I'm, because I was head of the project, I ended up talking with legal at Disney, and I kept saying, bring a musicologist in. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, if we stole notes, then that's called plagiarism. But yeah, if but you steal just style of it. Right, because it was really just I don't what, know what that is. It's like know? trumpet I, with a mute, all, and, you know, that I, was... I was, I was requested to, to do that, you yeah. know, just to go that style. Anyway... They paid them off and uh, uh -huh. took the took the tracks down. And guess who they hired to redo the new ones? Me. <laughs> <laughs> that uh -huh. I couldn't get over. You should have done another Usually Raymond Scott thing. When you can somebody, thing. you never see them again. You know, I was when I was telling you about using John Debney's work for some shows at Universal. I was doing a show where it was a you know private event where they brought in some philanthropic thing and it was with a bunch of kids and um the sh the director the project director he said you know there's going to be a bunch of five and six-year-olds just running amok <laughs> and i went raymond scott i'm using raymond scott and then uh john williams dad was the drummer and well I was that like, you know how it yeah. all comes together because jerry jerry brought all those trick all the little toys in with him yeah that his dad used to use on that show. Those guys used to just get together like an hour before the show and put something together. That's insane. Yeah. Every, you know, five days a week. Well, really? Yeah. <laughs> ne never use the same instrument up. twice. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I remember the toy trumpet thing. Uh -huh. And uh, some of that stuff. Uh -huh. Well, I, I enjoyed doing. Uh -huh. I gave that whole book away to a guy up here. Did you? Because uh, yeah, because uh, he, he's a trumpet player and he has a band at Cuesta. And I said, you may enjoy playing this, and or you know, 
So I gave him the whole the whole hours worth of stuff. That's with the the Tomorrowland stuff. No, the Raymond Scott. Oh, the Raymond Scott stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know what it was classified then because people would say it's jazz, but it's not jazz. No, 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 no. It's, no. It was, uh, but it wasn't orchestral. It was... It wasn't even existing song. I mean, yeah. they'd make up the songs, you know. I don't know how they did it. Man. I don't know either. No. But iconic stuff. But <clears throat> yeah. if, we, if we could... and I. We've been talking for a bit now, and it, i got to tell you, the minutes fly by like nanoseconds because i could <laughs> i could talk about music until i'm blue in the face my wife yeah. is she holds on as long as she can and then she's just like look i can't talk about okay. it anymore um but well if you gotta go, go oh no no not me i know i just mean when i talk to her about music she because she's not a musician she's a dancer and so you know i talk in one two three four she talks in five six seven eight yeah right <laughs> <laughs> pretty much is the joke but there uh you go, man. <laughs> But staying in the parks a little bit, I um, there's so many things I want to talk about, George. I'm sorry, I'm kind of everywhere, but uh, it's okay, man. I'm doing nothing. All right, awesome. So, I the, we we talked about my I don't know what it is love affair fetish with the movie ride, whatever we want to call it, because I worked there for so long. And you brought up the finale, which is one of the more iconic pieces of of the ride. I personally uh like how the music was put together because i used to come in i used to work very early and when i was the tour guide and we'd have to take the vehicles around and do the shows i was known to fall asleep in finale because i was so tired but i would know there's a certain cue in that show that would wake me up and i would be ready to you know finish out the spiel all strong for the most part i think once in a while i was probably caught catnapping but that uh, that finale film, did you did you arrange the source music or was it completely re like re recorded as a with a live no. orchestra? Well, I yeah, that's all. I that's I did at MGM. As a matter of fact, that's mm-hmm. one of the big the dates I did at MGM with this guy. Um, uh-huh. I cannot think of his name. Little short, stubby guy. And uh, he did all the stuff for the Academy Awards. And, uh-huh. and um, wouldn't you know, I was one click off in my count off. I only had a seven click count off. So there was supposed to be eight clicks. So my, so when we f- first ran, ran it through, I was one click ahead, ahead of the film. <laughs> and he got, he just went nuts, man. <laughs> And finally, Bellis, who I had in the booth, he said, why don't we just add another click? He said, I think that's all that's wrong with it. Mm. So we put another click in and bang, it all fit. But up to that point, he was having conniptions and, you know, I knew it wouldn't work. I, you know, I, I, you know, uh-huh. That's bullshit. Well, I... So, um... But he and, he, and, uh, he and Eisner got into a, I mean... I've never seen anybody fight with Eisner <laughs> since he was president of the company. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, Barney Scalar was in the room, and myself, and this guy, and this guy, and and Eisner were going toe to toe about wow. this film. And, and uh, you know, MGM Studios was Eisner's 
baby. I mean, he he was pretty involved from from day one. So that's well, that was a very unusual. I mean, especially your show, the the MGM show, because uh-huh. uh, that was all timed by attorneys. We could only do, you know, thirty-two seconds of this, oh. and forty-three seconds of that. Oh, because of clearances. Yeah. Oh. And I and I think uh, Eisner, you know, left MGM at the time that uh-huh. they weren't real happy with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, so they had, but we had attorneys in there with stopwatches <laughs> going through that thing, uh-huh. you know, making sure uh, nothing was too long or too short or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, from the from the bottom of my heart, as well as my very close friends, we want to thank you for putting Natchez from Showboat in there. <laughs> it's such a, just, it is like that, it feels the golden age of Hollywood and it commands... You know, it just, it, it, I don't know what it is. It, it's just, it's a, it's a wall of sound. Um, yeah. Especially where, where you, you cut right in there. I mean, all of it is perfect. And, and I got to say, it's been cut and recut throughout the years and it's never been as good as the original. The 89 version yeah. is, is untouchable, but that. Well, I'm, I'm, everyone's got their own ideas, man. No. <laughs> well, you it sounds like you had uh many more hits than misses so <laughs> so we all pre- i mean you're you're still in demand i mean look you're doing uh interviews and flying to florida well yeah that was <laughs> th- that was insane the florida thing yeah, i didn't i couldn't believe that it's so i knew wild th- i knew there was a lot of guys on there's a on facebook they have a uh, and they got a bunch of things, but they got a Horizon group, mm-hmm. and uh, and I joined it just, you know, anonymously, just joined it, uh-huh. and somebody said, um, "Does anyone know who did the music for that thing?" And and somebody else said, "Yeah, he's he's part of our group." And they gave my name. And well, the next thing I know, man, I must have had, I must have had 50 messages, you know, from all of these different guys. Uh-huh. You know, I actually wrote something for one of them. He wanted, he, you know, he wanted a theme like I had done for that. So I ended up doing one uh, for him. Well, but, I, I, we're glad that you did. I, I got to say, it's, and the, the whole kind of um, community, it, it, there were, there are passionate people and then there are really passionate people and then yeah. there are fetish <laughs> like and that's like you know Joshua by any I case? do yeah yeah of course yeah. yeah he also worked in the movie ride and he uh he worked i think at tower of terror oh he did oh yeah yeah he's yeah. a good guy man i yeah. enjoy talking to him yeah and Tammy and i Tammy Tucky so that's how she connected me with you um cuz i know that you had had spoken with her and she being a musician i actually um, we were working, looking to see if we can collaborate on something in the future, but she was like, yeah, give George a shout. He'll love to talk about it. And, and well, yeah, yeah. she, she used one of, she used, uh, horizons and another one of my songs. Oh, uh, from hoedown, the, the bear band, oh, country bear jamboree. Summer, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. For her first album. And I know she's uh-huh. using a couple of my songs for her second album. Uh-huh. Well, something from uh, 
uh, sunny eclipse. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm more of a, I'm more of a purist. Um, I mean, I like all the stuff in, in the parks, but I mean, everything in the movie, right? Of course. But then all of your stuff in Epcot, I mean, Horizons is so good. I mean, the choose your ending. I was just listening to that today at work while I was working. And uh, it, it has, I don't know if it's because. Bellis did yeah. that. I didn't do that. Oh. I mean, the ride back. Yeah. Underground or, uh, I mean, underwater or over whatever. Yeah. yeah. Richard Bellis did that. Did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's the lick. The, the kind of hero lick is reminiscent of uh, E.T., you know, kind of the flying theme. And I and I know this was that was created the same time around Horizon. So I don't know if there was a everybody wanted to do that kind of flying Superman E.T. leitmotif yeah, well, or, or what? I'll tell you what else was in there was uh, Gate of Dreams. Really? Yep. Where was that? Uh, well, it's in a lot of the high... Uh, piccolo flute bell parts uh-huh. and uh bellis just loved gate of dreams well and uh got a chance to use a lot of it in there well good writers borrow great writers yeah, steal right that's so, right yeah that's but uh i was curious and i should probably know this i'm i'm not the most um uh uh disciplined uh historian when it comes to disney stuff i just like the things i like and i like talking yeah. about things i like you had uh you'd mentioned doing some other things world of motion uh, journey into imagination did you do anything with magic journeys or was that uh sherman yeah i did i did actually <laughs> and uh this is not to take anything away from what ended up but i did all the demos on that okay and uh, when i first heard it because I was real busy, and they, Buddy brought this. Remember, I told you, Buddy and I didn't really get along mm-hmm. when he got back from Europe. He got another assistant. <laughs> so <laughs> I had done all the demos for uh, Magic Journeys, and uh, he decided that I wasn't going to do the finals, and he got his guy to do the final. But I swear, man, he used my, all my vocal arrangements, you know, so... Uh-huh. Did you do I mean, like... they all sound exactly like what I did, so of course. Even the right? I don't they may have used my demos for all I know. Uh-huh. Did you do the lobby John... music or anything like that or who? Did you do the lobby music for Magic Journeys or is that still all buddy? The only reason um... I ask is because there's a really good Bossa Nova version of it. Um in in the lobby. Uh no, I don't yeah. you know, I never saw the ride. I saw mm. films of it, but you know that I did had. Mm-hmm. In fact, I still have them. Oh um, wow! Yeah, I still have a lot of stuff that people would love. <laughs> I know. I've got the Bible to Horizons. I've got the Bible to Small World. Well, I mean, George, I'm coming to L.A. in two weeks for a shoot. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm not in... in L.A. You know, I'm in Paso Robles. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm in. I'm up. I'm up by the Hearst Castle. Okay. I mean, because I'm going to be in Calabasas. That's where most of the shoot is happening. But. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know it well. Yeah. Um, well, if you get up here, it's a three-hour trip from probably Calabasas. 
Well, well that if you is, come up, I I would would absolutely <clears throat> I would love to. Uh, I love San Luis Obispo. I love the whole area. It's really yeah. really nice, very quiet. But um, kind of going back to the parks, would you say that there's anything that um, like you you look back? And go, I, I absolutely nailed this. There's no way I could have ever done anything better. It goes back to an earlier conversation we had last time about American Adventure when you were waiting for someone to be like, is it, are we done? And they said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're done. Like, you're the guy, you're done. <laughs> so in your kind of ear and creative sense, when you put down the, the chart and you go, done, like there's, even if it was good, good or, or bad, is is irrelevant but in your personal filter when you're like i have given you everything i've given this is your this is my baby <laughs> i don't know i mean i i have thought since our conversation i have thought back on on uh on uh in the imagination pavilion uh-huh. because bo mo what's his name uh, how bowers oh how yeah yeah yeah, he brought he played some stuff from there that I had cross faded and written counter melodies to and everything. And in, and in thinking about it, uh, being that my was my first time out of the box with these guys, I took a lot of liberties, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and I remember getting being complimented complimented by. Uh, Ed Callens, who did who who did everything and did all of the uh, digital transfers, and and he he really complimented me on saying, you know, you had one little tune and you made about eighty other tunes out of it. You know, he was very impressed that uh, I could had that many different ideas for you know C to G to F to you know C. Mm-hmm. chords and stuff you know so i uh when you i would say i liked horizons probably as much as i liked anything but looking back on you know all the different things that i did uh i i think i think one of the best was uh was the imagination pavilion mm. and i also liked uh uh kodak you know mm-hmm. did the one uh, making memories. Oh, that and, pre-show. Yeah. Oh, I. Well, again, there's counter melody in that one. Isn't well, there? that was pretty much yeah. The, uh-huh. da, 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 yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that. But that was theirs. <sighs> My God, that, they did that. <laughs> it's. I gotta. This is so. It's. I. So when I was a kid, I mean, I was five six when epcot opened and i remember we bought the epcot official cassette and the record i actually still have both to this day because i'm weird but the i remember being home this is we lived in new jersey at the time because that's where my dad's business was and listening to i'd be going to bed and i'd have a little like cassette player listen to that song that tape over and over and over again and making memories uh was one of my favorite favorite pieces that i would just rewind and rewind and my brother and i shared a room and he was like just turn it off 
He's like, let the, <laughs> let the tape play. And then we would get to like golden dreams or whatever. And I'd start crying because it's so perfect. And I was like seven and uh, he's nine. And he's like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to break that cassette. I'm going to break that record. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's a little surreal for me to be speaking to you because it, when it I, you know, takes me back I, to my childhood. When I first went to and saw Epcot, you know, as a, customer as a real you know, somebody wandering around checking things out uh i walked in at night while golden dreams was playing and i that was my arrangement mm-hmm. and uh i actually got tears in my eyes oh that's amazing and i don't know you know if it was just but it was that, the wind it was probably the it wind. was emotional man yeah. uh-huh. i also i one of the other things i did that nobody i think knows it i did backstage magic and a bunch of other things and i also did a uh epcot pole oh yeah that's part of backstage magic five four huh i think yeah i I know what you're talking about you did it in five yeah i did oh and i'm gonna nerd out on that george because you used almost it sounded like simmons drums as like yeah right like all of the electric drums at the top yeah yeah oh my gosh okay now i'm just um i'm totally fanning out over this i tried to be professional <laughs> I tried to be musician to musician, a, man. But like, I had a great drummer on that. I'm desperately trying to think of his name at this moment. Was it? But a all, real great jazz drummer. In all, all recorded in and, L.A., right? And because, yeah. Uh-huh. But I had five four mixed up in with three four. Yeah. I think. Yep. Yes. Yeah, and I, I mixed a lot of three into the five, and uh, and he had to, you know, he had to read that the first, you know, those, you know, they play the games like do it perfect the first yeah. time. Sure, of course. And uh, I thought he did a hell of a job, and uh, and that was the first time I had worked with with uh, Sean Murphy. Oh, really? And you know, at at Disney. And, so, uh, so he was playing electronic I, drums. That's what I brought all my own guys in, all my own oh, right. players. Yeah, know. you're talking about that. George Graham and uh, on first trumpet, and you know, I had all my guys. <laughs> I I just would have assumed any of those drum licks were done on a keyboard, and they weren't done on an actual electronic. No, no, no. Drum he set. had the, no, he had the he had the electric drums. The here. Simmons, probably the Simmons pads. Yeah. yeah, is that what they were? Simmons. Did they look like hexagons? I don't know if you remember, yeah. but yeah. Bing, bing, boom, yeah. Also, I don't know. Did you do Tomorrow's Child? Huh? Did you do the Spaceship Earth attraction? Spaceship Earth? The big ball at Epcot. Did you do the music for that one? I did some of the inside stuff. I can't yeah. remember what. Because there's also electronic drums in, in there. Because like yeah. my sister always says, my sister, who's an actress, so she's fun. Um she always says, when you listen to music, do you listen to the drums first? And I didn't, <laughs> I had to think about it. You know, I, I was like, I, I guess I do. You, I guess you, I consciously. You probably do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I pay attention to that, but I'm secretly a, a bass fiend. I wish I played bass. That was my yeah, dream. Yeah, me too. You know, the, 
I just posted something on Facebook the other day, and it's Gary Meek, and he did uh, did an arrangement of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that is just great. I don't know if you can get on my page. I'm going to check on right my now. Facebook page. We ought to, yeah, Gary Meek, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is just a great little arrangement. He does all of his stuff at his house, uh-huh. and he's got... The drummer, I just love, man. You talk about discipline. All this guy did was keep time, but it was so funny, man. It was just beautiful. Well, See if you can find that. If drummers are anything, we're disciplined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, as Hal I, Blaine you know, has funny. showed us. I used, uh, when I when I did the Bear Band Jamboree, I did the first one, the... Uh, if you just been wishing about going fishing, that yep. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used um, <sighs> fiddle player as my contractor. And uh, he brought Elvis Presley's rhythm section in. Oh. Who I had, basically. Okay. And the drummer was from the valley here, you know, San Fernando Valley. Yep. And, uh, man... He all he did was keep time, but he kicked the ass out of that band. I mean, that was so nice, to, you know. No fills, basically, you know, nothing fancy. Just back and back and back and back. You know, yeah. he just he was great, man. I used him on a couple other things after that. I I don't remember his name, but I do remember Elvis. Was it Ron Tut? Or no, Don no. Fantana. Fantana. No, I remember one drummer Elvis used had a double bass, two kick drums, and I was always like, "Why are you using two kick drums for Elvis tracks?" I yeah, don't, I don't know. I would think uh, wouldn't be that way, but when I saw when I when I saw Elvis in Vegas before I ever met him, and. Um, Alex Acuna was playing drums for him. Was he? Yep. I saw and, Alex. And he, and he was twirling the sticks up in the air and the whole, the whole schmear. Was he? I couldn't believe it. You know. I saw Alex Acuna and Dave Weckl with the all, GRP All-Star Big Band. So it was like, yeah. well, you know, yeah. Arturo and Dave Grusin was playing piano. Yeah. And Dave yeah. Valentin was playing flute. And I was... So and Abe Laborio was yeah, probably on bass. Found yeah. bass, yeah. Oh no, I think Job Patitucci was playing bass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I realized I will never be. A, yeah, really? I will never be too. You know, you can never get too big for your, when you watch someone like Dave Weckl overplay. No, no, no. They, um, anyways, Weckl is amazing. Yeah, he. You know, he was growing up. He was the guy, and then as I got older, I really. Um, uh, uh, Steve Gadd is really oh well yeah, yeah. just yeah it's a, he's an artist everything he did with James Taylor he, he's and, an artist he's yeah, really he, something he, you know he shows up he doesn't even talk he just sits down and plays and everybody no just, he's he's truly yeah. amazing I yeah. you know I listen to a lot of his stuff and um yeah he, he blows me away yeah he and Bruce and blow me away I used to know Dave Dave. I used, when I had a vocal group in New York, uh, Dave was the accompanist for the Hilos, uh-huh. and they came through, and we all got together. And, and Dave ended up marrying one of my girls in my group. Uh, 
Sir Jane Tolman. And uh, and I got to, and I got to know Dave. I did a show with him called Rogers and Hart Today, a television series, and he wrote a uh, uh, ballet for that. Uh-huh. And uh, God, I'm trying to think on what it was. But I remember John Robby, who was going to be the rehearsal pianist for the show, and I and a bunch of other people stood around the piano when Dave performed the ballet for John, you know, so John would know, you know, mm-hmm. know how to play it for the rehearsals. And <laughs> when Dave finished, we were all crying. I mean, we all had tears in our eyes. I mean, it was just so beautiful. He's I saw him with Lee Rittenauer in the yeah, late nineties, well, you know, yeah. a little different sound. Yeah. Um, they were great buddies, you know. But uh yeah, I mean very I mean, it was smooth jazz. It was as Have you ever smooth heard as Dave Grusin's uh, West Side Story? No, I haven't. Oh, don't miss it, man. Well, I'm doing it tonight. That's what I'm listening yeah, to tonight. No, it's, it's sensational. No, I'm making a note of that. Yeah. So kind of going back to composers, and, and um, again, I don't want to take up your, your time today, so just let me know if we need to. You know, start to circle the. We can do. We can do more of this at some time if you want. I don't I, care. Look, whenever you want to talk music, you you've got my number. You're, <laughs> I'm taking your call. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Disney stuff. If you noticed, I like talking more about just the you know the biz. Um, yeah. But I do want to go back to Disney for a minute because there is a composer who I am a, a big fan of. I mentioned Buddy as a kind of an under. Uh, under lesser known composer for the masses, right? Obviously the people yeah. in the biz know him and the fans know him, but Bruce, Bruce Broughton is a, Bruce is great. So he is, uh, he's a, it, as heroes can go. And I'm, again, I don't fan out except talking to you, which is embarrassing to say, the yeah, least. No. but uh, Bruce is one of those, those composers again, who is, who I feel is severely underrated, but you know when you hear him, you know you well, know his charts. And uh, have you worked with him? And how did it work with him? How'd you work with him? Yeah, I've done a lot of work with him, but I don't think he's underrated. I mean, uh, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't choose to do a lot of big stuff. Um, he does a lot of his own stuff that's performed by college orchestras and symphonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he, and that's where his real love is, uh, is more on the legitimate side, which is weird because when I first met Bruce, I was chasing him to do uh, animation. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, he was doing, um, he was doing a lot of animation then, and I remember Bellis and I trying to get a hold of him, uh, to you know, to see if we might get in on any of that, and uh, we didn't. Um, and uh, I did, you know, uh, it's tough to be a bug. Uh-huh. And, and Bruce did that whole show. Oh, yeah. And I did, uh, yeah, and I did all the the B arrangements, uh, the that the pre-show the melodies, huh? Yeah. The... I don't know. Have you ever been to that show? Yeah. Was it all the Broadway? Yeah, and all the yeah, Broadway songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the bees. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Bruce got a kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he seems like I mean I can see what you're talking about because his, his I, what I like about him is his 
his melodies and his themes are subdued. Like there's a, a movie, a terrible movie from the early 90s, late 80s called The Boy That Could Fly that he did the soundtrack to. And, you know, it's like a coming of age, somewhat teen, sigh, whatever. But the, the, well, also Silverado, because my dad thinks he's a cowboy and that's an yeah. iconic piece of music. I grew up with that. But he, he, his music was just never, you know, you think of John Williams and it's lots of strings and lots of trumpets and, and brass and Broughton just feels like it, it's a little bit more, organic boy that can fly if you haven't listened to it it's an amazing amazing theme um and then also at actually at epcot the uh wonders of life he did the martin short movie about uh making babies <laughs> i didn't see yeah i didn't know that, me. that so uh i i'm glad to hear well, that he's fun to work with tom, tom fitzgerald discovered him did he yeah i mean that's i mean we all knew bruce but Tom, well, I th- Bellis may have brought Bruce in at some point, and uh, Tom just fell in love with him. And, uh, and I think the first thing, one of the first things I know Bruce did was uh, was the Disney American Adventure. Mm. Um, or, no, the Disney, what am I thinking of? The New Park. Um, Animal Kingdom, California, California, oh, yeah, oh. and uh, and Bruce did the uh, cru- what is it, the cruising, where you go over the orange fields and oh yes 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 yes, Soren, um, uh, Soren, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was Jerry Goldsmith for some reason. Well, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Who was another not, thing? I'm actually not I a think, big fan of Jerry Goldsmith. No, I think, I think you're right. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. He, did, but Bruce did another one. Oh, seasons! I think he did Seasons of the Vine. I want to say which, yeah, which is again very subdued. It was very, you know, a Spanish guitar and very kind of light, yeah. which I could see. Yeah, you're right. Jerry yeah. did the uh, Jerry did Soren. Yeah, because Soren's in your that track is in your face yeah it's i mean it is jerry goldsmith to a t yeah um i, yeah, I just I forgot that i was but i know i because i went to the opening night because i had done all i had done the whole the, the ferris wheel and the mm-hmm. all of the over by the lake mm-hmm. and i and i did the uh <sighs> You did Superstar so, Limo, did you not? Uh, yeah, okay. it was, yeah. Another controversial. Did, uh, yeah, track. I, <laughs> I like the track. Yeah, I didn't like the ride. Yeah. Um, no, I did. Uh, what the hell did I do? I did the the. <sighs> what's the thing that goes up and down real fast? <laughs> oh, the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, California screaming. California Screaming, yeah. I did that with Gary Hoey. Oh, heck of a guitar player. I think he was, um, Steve Vai taught him. He did? I, I want to say it was like uh, Gary, or not Gary Hoey, it was like Steve Vai or Ingwie Malmsteam or, you know, one of those like super shredding six, seven string guitar players. Well, Gary had, it was so weird because I had, 
Um, I did all the, we had done, um, I had gone and recorded a band order from Germany. Mm-hmm. And I did all the, the, I did the Ferris wheel, the, uh, I did five rides mm-hmm. using the, the, this band organ. And, and all five rides had to, had to line up. And I, so I used the same tunes with different arrangements and the same keys so that you, you were always in sync wherever mm-hmm. you walked. And, um, and th- so then everybody loved that so much that, that when we did the roller coaster, he wanted me to do all the, a, a lot of the stuff where it climbs and, and mm-hmm. uh, takes off and a few other with, the, with that. And then Gary did all of, you know, because yeah. your stuff was more like like a one man band, calliope kind of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was that band organ. Yeah, but Gary had had signed a deal with Disney Records, and he was and he loved me because he thought through me he could become a film composer. Wow! And so he really hung out with me and you know expressed wanting to. And then I went to a Nam thing closely after that, and mm-hmm. I walked in. I didn't recognize him. He was so tattooed up. <laughs> Rocker, huh? Yeah, and he had just gone, you know, I guess he just realized the guitar was it for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, you know, I didn't, it was truly, and he's got a wife and a kid. And mm-hmm. I remember we talked his wife into taking the the, the, the roller coaster ride that, that, you know, that night that was just the cast there. Mm-hmm. And all she did was throw up. Oh, no. <laughs> she didn't want to go on it. She said, no, I don't want to go on it. I don't want to go on it. <laughs> well, come on. You must go. Yeah. You got to listen to your husband's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. You got to did nothing but throw it. up. Yeah. That's oh, God, that was amazing. Funny. Yeah. <clears throat> well, sir, I, I really don't want to take up uh, any of your time, any more of your time. Uh, okay. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. But I... I do want to absolutely thank you again, George Wilkins. It's been it's been an yeah, honor. No, I mean, and so quite fun, man. I I hope we have a chance to do this again. I, like I Facebook friended you. Feel free to accept. Feel not. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, would love to. Uh, you know, we'll just con- continue the conversations another day. We don't have to do it over the well, podcast. If you're in, I think if just you're talking. If you're in Seattle, I I get up there every once in a while, so I'd be glad to look you up. I will. Uh, I'll meet you anytime and any place. I know Vinny Kuliuta and his band are coming to a jazz show, and I'm going to be camping out there. But you, any, yeah. anytime other than that, you just, just. Uh, I'll give you a yell. All right. I appreciate the time, George. Thank you. Okay, man. Right, you take good. care. And that concludes my conversation with the legendary George Wilkins of theme park, movie, television, radio, everything, fame. What a great person to speak with about uh, things that I love so much, which are musical scores and Disney parks music. Disney movies music, eh, sure, maybe a little bit this and that, uh, but I really absolutely love parks music. Everything from the attraction scores to the cues to the area music to the bathroom music, in George's case, if if you know, I mean Journey to Imagination, where the original music still plays. 
I'm still smiling ear to ear, and I hope you really did enjoy uh, listening to our conversation because it was uh, it was one of the one of my favorite episodes I think I've ever done, and and so that's saying a lot knowing the the great amount of guests that I've already had on, on the show. So we'll see what's next. I have a few more interviews coming up as well as some more personal stories from my time at the theme park. So continue to, to tune in. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at WDWTales. And then you can also find me at WDWTales.com. And this broadcast is on pretty much all the big networks. So uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm everywhere gang so hope you tune in and i'll see you next time